0: take a look at your department's policy and be an advocate, even if you already have kids, even if you don't plan to have kids, be an advocate to get that policy updated, because it is really been a battle at just about every department I have spoken with and ch- changes happening very, very slow. And meanwhile, people are going through issues with fertility and pregnancy with very little support and very little understanding of what their rights and the laws actually are. So be an advocate, and help make a positive change uh, for the safety and well-being of your fellow firefighters.
1: The First Responder Liaison Network is proud to present to you the Kitchen Table Podcast, where our guests come share their stories, their perspectives, and their message, talking all things leadership. Now, here's your host, Berlin Mazza. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to The Kitchen Table. The Kitchen Table is brought to you by the First Responder Liaison Network. The network is organized for the development, implementation, and ongoing support of mentorship and professional development programs, inspiring our youth and young adults to mature into engaged civic leaders and resilient community sentinels. Music and graphics are brought to you by Kai Elephant Productions. So today we have the pleasure of welcoming the Beltane Guild on the show. The Beltane Guild is a nonprofit organization dedicated to the research and raising awareness for firefighter reproductive health. Research shows that firefighters have a higher risk of infertility due to hazardous exposures, heat, stress, irregular sleep patterns, and much more. The Beltane Guild is working in collaboration with firefighters and researchers from across the country to raise awareness, improve safety measures, rewrite policy to protect our nation's firefighters, and provide grants to firefighters needing fertility treatment. They've been able to help multiple departments get started with their own reproductive health policies, maternity policies, and lactation policies. Research continues to show that fertility health of male firefighters is affected as much as female firefighters, and their hope is that they can continue to help provide resources to guide departments in writing policy to address this heavy issue. And today we have the president of the Beltane Guild, and firefighter paramedic Maya Earl, along with Dr. Brittany Hollerbach, Director of Research. Good morning, all. Thank you uh, so much for being on the show today. Happy New Year, if I could still say that, toward the ends of January, end of January. Uh, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. I just came off a shift where I got one hour of sleep, so I am bright-eyed ah, and ready to do this.
1: Wow. <laughs> you are ready. Uh, what where, What unit were you on last night?
0: I was on an eight-car in a downtown corridor. I won't tell you exactly where it's a secret, I guess.
1: Okay. So you were in the car. Okay. (laughs) Brittany, how are you?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on um, with Maya. I think she's always bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, by the way, regardless (laughs) of only having one hour sleep.
1: (laughs) There you go. Awesome. And all we need is more coffee, I guess. So uh, again, thank you so much, uh, the both of you, for being here today. Before we just dive into this, maybe you can both share a little bit about who the Beltane Guild is.
0: All right, uh, this is Mayan I can take that one. So the Belt and Guild originally started back in 2019, when I realized that I personally was going to have some trouble getting pregnant. I had some blood work done, had some tests done and was very shocked to find that a specific hormone that reflects ovarian reserve or how many eggs you have left. It's called the anti-mullerian hormone. Mine was really, really low. and I was pretty upset about it. And um, this was as my husband and I were trying to start a family. And as the dust settled with the realization that it could be a significant challenge and was turning out to be a significant challenge, I started to wonder if maybe my job had something to do with it. And for me, that, that light came on because about 16 years ago I was an egg donor for a family. I wanted to help a family um, be able to have a child. And so I had a full reproductive health screen done to uh, determine if I was a good candidate. And it turned out that I was and the family was successful in having twins. That's all I know. But it was a uh, really an amazing experience to, to go through that. But that being said, I always, pardon me, I always in the back of my head felt like I didn't have to worry so much about my reproductive health. So it was, as you can imagine, an incredible shock to find that my AMH level was almost zero, which is uh, well below the the average for the general population at my age at the time. So uh, we started the IVF process, and we were IVF is in vitro fertilization, and we were fortunate enough to be successful with our first try, and we had twins. And throughout this time, I. I went through a lot of challenges with my department. My department was incredibly supportive. Uh, Some of the challenges were just mine personally being so embarrassed to have to talk about what was going on with my officer, trying to get shifts partially covered so I could go to doctor's appointments, Um, not wanting to, you know, at, at the time I didn't, there was some research available And there were some people talking about reproductive health, but there's really been just an amazing amount of progress in the last five years. And so as I was going through this, I felt very much on an island and the Beltane Guild came to be because I wanted to create a space for other firefighters going through the same challenges that I had been through. And I also wanted to improve fire department policies so that we can better support firefighters that are going through this challenging time. I feel, especially as a a female firefighter, I do not want the spotlight on me. I do not want to make waves. And yet we are now in 2024. I think it's time that we support all our firefighters with reproductive health issues. We bring up the level of awareness and education so that we are safe and so that our offspring are safe. And Dr. Hollerbach is going to talk more about that in a moment, about how the job actually affects our bodies and our offspring. But that is why the Beltane Guild came to be. And with that, I decided to have a three-pronged approach. I wanted to collect all the research that I could find and make it accessible in one easy place on our website, thebeltaneguild.org I wanted to provide grants for firefighters that were needing fertility treatment because most departments, most cities don't don't offer that benefit. I will say, um, is it okay to shout out departments that are doing a great job? Okay. Yeah. So Seattle has just doubled their fertility benefit for their members to $20,000, a lifetime benefit. And you do not need a diagnosis of infertility, which is huge. It's a huge thing to do for same sex couples. Um, It really is a great DEI initiative, but really it just really shows that Seattle cares about their their employees and the firefighters and supports uh, them building a family. So good job Seattle. Um, so we have the grants, we have the research, and then we do consulting for policy. And with that, our other co-board member, Stephanie White, who's my alter ego on the East Coast, she had written this incredible ideal reproductive health policy. And when I found it, I said, this is so much better than everything else I've seen out there. We're going to start with this. And that's the one I featured on my website. She reached out. She said, hey, that's my, that's my policy. Because of course her name wasn't really attached to it anywhere. And as soon as I connected with her, I realized I would love to have her as a part of the board. So that's how we met. And then, um, and then most incredible thing happened. I sent out an email to every female firefighter I knew around the Pacific Northwest region. And with the help of Dr. Hollerbach's team, and a few consultants, uh, in addition to about 20 firefighters, we went step by step through Stephanie's original gold standard policy and talked about what we liked, what changes we wanted to make, how we could even improve it even further. to And then in essence, after several meetings, what became was the the true gold standard policy that really covers everything start to finish from fertility treatments or adoption fostering. Okay, now you're pregnant, how to tell your department that you're pregnant? What if you get pregnant on probation? Okay, now you're on modified duty, what's your modified duty policy at your department to okay, now I'm leaving for my pregnancy to now I'm coming back to work. Am I going to modify duty? Am I going back to shift work? And am I going to be expressing breast milk at the station? And what does that look like? And it also covers things for the non-pregnant firefighter experiencing fertility issues as well. So it's, it's really for everyone. And there's also that educational component to it, which aligns with NFPA's recommendation that every department have a baseline education available for their members. So, wow. In a and, nutshell, that's what the Beltane Guild is. <laughs>
1: that is uh, that is absolutely amazing. I have a full page of notes already to lean on that, but I'm not going to jump in yet uh, because I want to give Dr. Hollerbach uh, an opportunity to introduce herself and uh, and her role here at the Beltane Guild, Doctor. Uh,
2: thank you so much, Brittany. is fine. Um, I had the opportunity of meeting Maya. Uh, oh, I I think we so my. My boss is Dr. Sarah Jenke. She's quite well-known in the fire yeah. service. She does basically all the things. Um, but some of what she had done was some of the first research uh, of maternal and child health. And so she published a paper in 2018. And I think that's really what got the ball rolling as far as looking into research in the fire service focused on reproductive health. Um, for numerous reasons, like a lot of things in the fire service, there just wasn't a lot of attention paid to reproductive health. I think people tend to focus on women when we talk about reproductive health, which I I know I did as well. I was guilty of this. I was like, Oh, like, yeah, you know, how many people does it really affect? And then it's like, you guys, it takes two people to make a baby. So both parties can be affected. Um, and, and we can talk about that later, but that how I got involved in the Belting Guild is I, I believe Maya had reached out to Sarah because Sarah's like the gold standard. And then Brittany is like the junior gold standard the silver standard i don't know whatever's under that and so sarah has like 10 million things going on all the time and she's like hey i think you'd be really interested in this do you want to sit on the belt and guild board and so i reached out to maya and we were like super excited to work together and i think we started working together before we even like met each other in person and so then we were able to meet each other in person and it was so fun and we just sat down and talked about all things reproductive health and which is relieving in a way, and exciting in a way, although, you know, there are a lot of things that are, like, adverse for firefighters and a lot of challenges and struggles, but it is fun to sit down and talk with somebody about it and know that you're moving the needle in the right direction. Um, And, like, so Maya's doing a lot to impact policy and fire departments, but also just opening up the conversation, and I think that's a huge start, is just all of us opening up the conversation and, and just beginning to talk about it.
1: It sounds like, so Maya is the only one here from the West coast and the three of you are on the East coast. Is that correct?
2: So I'm actually in Kansas city. I'm right in the middle.
1: Middle, Okay. It it sounds like it's obviously a team effort, not only as far as regionally and demographically, but also in in what you all tackle. Uh, So Stephanie and Melissa, what are they, what is their role?
0: Yeah. So um, Stephanie is a firefighter paramedic over on the East coast. She is the OG. She has been pushing for legislation changes. Uh, she created that policy, which was so progressive for back when she got that going. Um, and she does podcasts and writes articles for fire engineering. She's lectured across the country. She is very experienced. She's She is in a way my mentor because I'm just recently new into the lecture and outreach portion. And of course, the Belting Guild isn't really that old itself, but also um, she is our guru on legislation and how to get across to people when we're lecturing and what points we need to drive home. So she's just got that pulse on current laws, what needs to be said, what needs to be done. And so she's been a great mentor for me in that way. And then um, Melissa Lawler is... Man, she is a lot of things. She's pretty incredible. She is a fire commissioner. She's a—I might get her title a slightly off, but a nurse practitioner, OBGYN. So she delivers babies. She's a midwife. She's also an EMT, and she does all these things, which make her a great asset in the sense that when a fire firefighter's pregnant and they go to their doctor, their OB, and they say, "I'm pregnant," the OB. Uh, tends to just treat them like any other pregnant person and says, okay, you're pregnant. Let's check you out. You look healthy. Okay. Bye-bye. So what we want to do is have our firefighters who are pregnant, go to their OB and say, Hey, I'm pregnant. And I think you should be aware of what my job entails. And we need to have a discussion about what that looks like, whether uh, to help me make an educated decision of whether or not to continue shift work. Based on my health, based on my age, based on any complications with the pregnancy. Um, right now, I think a lot of pregnant firefighters are going in completely blind, and vice versa, their their OBs are completely blind as well. So this is to bring up everybody's awareness level so that we're being educated and making those decisions more wisely. For for example. My One of my major initiatives this year is I don't want a single pregnant firefighter to continue working shift work unless they've made that decision with a baseline education. Because as Dr. Hollerbach will probably mention later, especially in the first trimester, a fetus can be exposed to all those hazards that we mentioned, and it can cause birth defects, miscarriage, preterm birth, uh, low birth weight, and... I mean, just any single one of that, those are awful. But mm-hmm. if you just think about all the potential risks and we haven't even talked about the risks to the mother, well, that's just not okay with me that these firefighters don't even know potentially what they're being exposed to and what they're exposing their fetus to. Yeah. So that's my big initiative this year. But that's that's what Melissa does. She's our um, OBGYN nurse practitioner that kind of helps us come up with the content that firefighters should be taking to their OBGYN for that first appointment?
1: Obviously, most of our listener base are firefighters or first responders. The job itself obviously calls for uh, high amounts of stress, physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, sleep deprivation, you know, nutritional issues, you know, physical demands, all the above and, you know, a dozen more that I haven't even talked about yet or even touched from the perspective of firefighter reproductive health what are the major risk factors? And I know we just talked about that, but according to research, according to experience, what are the major risk factors, but also what are firefighters supposed to do? Meaning there's a certain amount of things that we can't control, right? Like we can't say, you know what? It's a third call tonight. I'm not going to go on that call. We still have to operate. So it's a long-winded question, but that's okay. We'll take it whenever direction need be. But what are the highest risk factors? And then what can we do immediately to start mitigating some of these and let's just start there.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for that question. so I think like a lot of other things in the fire service that we're concerned about, right. We're concerned about increased rates of cardiovascular disease, um, increased rates of cancer, There are a ton of different types of cancers. There's over 20 different types of cancers that firefighters are at an increased risk for. Um, so I think like anything else you mentioned, um, uh, imbalance perhaps nutritional environment right like we're more um at risk for weight gain over the course of a career uh we're more at risk for injury than the general population right so i think like anything else in the fire service i think we need to talk about modifiable risk factors um and so you know it there are so, so many of the things that in the fire service that put us at risk for the things that we just mentioned Um, also impact reproductive health, right? So it could be um, the extreme heat that we're subject to. It could be the fully encapsulated bunker gear. It could be the loud noises um, can impact both mother and child. Heat and extreme stress on the body can impact the woman's ovulatory cycle and hormonal cycle. Let's see, toxic products of combustion, things like carbon monoxide, PAHs, the PFOS chemicals, which is a whole group of chemicals, Um, so different toxins. So there's all these different things. Right. And, and like Maya mentioned earlier, I think a lot of the education or the take home points is, I don't know that there is one, there's not one answer. It's not a one size fits all, but it's so important that women who become pregnant as a firefighter can make an educated decision about when to come off the line or when to take like a modified or, um, adjusted duty. And and that looks different for everybody's department, um, what people have available to them. So it's so important that you just have all of the education and what's going on in each trimester. I know a lot of women want to stay on the job past their first trimester um, just because their body doesn't feel as affected, but there's so much going on in the fetus and fetal development in that first trimester. So it's just so important that they have all of the information to be able to make an educated decision. With that being said, there's so much that we can do. Um, And I mean, it can be from ensuring that we're wearing all of our gear. It could be, you know, going on modified duty and not running some of the more hazardous calls, Um, doing more of an office duty or just a modified, perhaps working in public education for a while, Um, staying off the hazmat truck, for example, might be a good (laughs) idea, right? Um, But but there's so many different like modifiable things that we, we can do.
1: Yeah. So let me lean on that a little bit. So uh, as we t- t- continue to talk about, first of all, awareness being the key, right? Where uh, firefighters, we need the education. We need to know that some, like you mentioned one, for example, modifiable risk factor that I'd never even thought about, the noise factor, right? Like, These from complete quiet to the loudest noises you'll ever hear for several minutes at a time, the ups and downs. That's one thing I've never even considered, but it comes down to, I guess, uh, knowledge and having that baseline education. So obviously conversations like this, raising awareness by groups like yourself, listening to a podcast, reading books, but... uh, are you finding that um, some of this baseline education is coming late in the game? So for example, one thing that I wrote down is, can we implement some of this stuff like in a, in a recruit Academy, this uh, education or even a pre-Academy because awareness and education is obviously so huge. What are you finding is lacking and where do we need to just start attacking?
0: That's a great question. And yes, a brief awareness level, presentation when a firefighter is in academy I think is an excellent time to bring this up or pre before you know even even just an informational packet that gets sent out to new hires to say hey this is something you should consider it can include firefighter cancers and reproductive health because they overlap quite a bit Um, and say you know you may want to consider having an assessment done of your reproductive health, see where you're at at your baseline before you get exposed to the hazards of this, of this career. And, you know, if based on your results, you want to freeze your eggs or sperm, that might be an amazing thing you can do if you want to have family someday, because I can tell you, I didn't ever think it would happen to me. And when it did, it was devastating. Uh, it was challenging. It was emotionally, physically distressing. And it's and financially, it's so expensive to go through fertility treatment. In fact, not to go on a tangent, but uh, certain states are trying to get fertility issues or infertility covered under uh, considered a duty related illness. So Mm. that is one amazing thing we can do. Uh, nationwide to protect our firefighters better because, you know, we are looking at cancers that we are so far in most places are not looking at reproductive health. But in addition to, you know, bringing that awareness level education to our new hires, I think there's a great infographic that Dr. Hollerbach's team has put together that every fire station should have posted. We've started distributing them around our region here where I work in King County and then, really, I think it's getting an advocate at each department to take a look at this gold standard policy that we've created because we really yeah. have done all the homework already, and and take initiative to get it adopted. Uh, the the real bottleneck right now is we. Here's what happens. Forgive me. This is another tangent, but
1: okay, I uh, like it.
0: One of it's one of the issues that we have is. Firefighter gets pregnant. Firefighter goes on modified duty. Firefighter gets assigned to updating or writing for the first time a pregnancy policy. They do all this research. If they don't find the Beltang Guild website, they really are just starting from nothing, from scratch. And they put together a policy as best they can and they present it to their department and their department does not adopt it. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I, I can tell you some of the pushback One, one thing I've heard is, well, why does this need to be in writing? Why uh, we, I don't know if we can treat firefighters differently than other city employees is another common thing I've heard. And then honestly, I this is just a guess. So I, I can't even say it for sure, but I feel like there's just such an unfamiliarity with the topic that it's for people in positions of leadership, which in our field is still predominantly men. There is a hesitation to adopt something they know very little about. And no one's trying to get away with great, amazing, unrealistic accommodations. The entire policy that we've written is completely law and research based. We are genuinely just trying to make sure that not only the firefighters, but those in positions of leadership are aware of what the laws currently prescribe. For example, There's a department in this region that has an amazing reproductive health policy that was just updated in the last couple of years. It's not a 100% adoption of our gold standard policy, but it's about, I'd say, 80%. It's fantastic. They're doing a great job, but they weren't aware of the most recent update to state law, RCW 43.10.005 is workplace pregnancy accommodations. And if you cannot lift 17 pounds and your state, your department is greater than 15 people. You cannot claim undue hardship for uh, not providing modified duty. You have to provide accommodation for a firefighter, for an employee, which um, that same department that has that amazing policy also currently has someone that's uh, been on bed rest and they've been on modified duty for a while but they asked for another accommodation to to work remotely and that was denied and that Mm. denial because she's on bed rest she definitely cannot lift 17 pounds that that denial is directly against the rcw now this is not to this department i have to say is doing everything they possibly can to support this firefighter they're trying to work through the issues. They are just now aware of the RCW change. Again, it would just happen in this past year. And I'll admit, I'm not always aware of every change that takes place. So this is not at all to shame them. It's, If anything, it's to promote the fact that they have a great policy. They're still running into snags here and there, but they're trying to work through it and support the firefighter. Uh, yeah. But that's just one example. So if you have A pregnant firefighter, and you're suddenly trying to write a policy. It's it's already too late, right? You're already behind the eight ball. I mean, what if you get pregnant during academy or on probation? Yeah. How hard is it going to be for that firefighter years to tell somebody that they're pregnant? And in the meantime, they're going to just continue doing very very hard work because they're in academy or they're on probation. They're they're doing all the hardest work they're ever going to do during that first year. Yep. And, you know, they might not even be aware that their fetus is going to be most impacted in that first trimester of pregnancy. So yeah. I could go down a lot of tangents. Uh, with uh, I, I question, love it. But... <laughs> and
1: and yeah, it sounds like what you're saying. Back to I mean, Brittany. I've, well, a lot of it is so is uh, let's just call it, what it is. sometimes, oftentimes, you know, the fire service being what it is, is we, you, you know, you keep your head down. You're an academy. You're just going to push through it. You don't want to speak up because you know, but, but a lot of this is avoidable. If you have, for example, uh practice in place, you have policy in place that protects people are going to be willing to speak up and you're going to protect, like you said, the employee, the department, I I have two quick questions. And Brittany can answer this and, or you as as well, Maya. So number one, that infographic, you said you, as we talk about awareness and education, where where do we find that thing? So listeners could just, as they're listening, okay, I want to print that out right now. Where's that infographic?
2: Yeah. If you go to, So Maya has co-hosted some of our infographics on the Beltane Guild website. So you'll be able to find them there. And then our through... So... I work for NDRI, which is National Development and Research Institutes. And as a part of our outreach, we have Science to the Station, a health and wellness alliance. If you go to www.science-alliance.org, you'll find a lot of our infographics and materials. Um, Yeah, you'll just kind of search. You'll go into like current science and then down to reproductive health, and then you'll be able to find a lot of stuff there.
1: That's perfect. Second part uh, is... As you mentioned, Maya, like sometimes it's once you need something, it's like everything else in the fire service. Once you find out there's a need, well, it's all, it's too late. You're reactive. You're not proactive in a lot of these things. And when we're talking about health and safety, we we, we should be proactive. We're, the culture is changing. We know that. Uh, but you mentioned, you know, someone that's just trying to write policy because it's something that's affecting them or a small group. It's like, okay, that policy is going to take weeks and months to write. It'll be incomplete. It'll be inaccurate. Uh, something's better than nothing, obviously. But you mentioned uh, this packet. Of policy that you guys have—that's something that you give to, to people, or, or how does that work? Sorry, yes. I'm a little okay. ignorant here.
0: No, that's fine. I I was myself when I started the nonprofit, <laughs> and I'm still learning every day. So on the beltangil.org website, under um, Department Policy Writing, you can. Literally the very top header says gold standard fire department, Ah. family planning, reproductive health policy kit. Everything in here is something that you could add to your policy. It not only talks about that gold standard that I talked about previously, that takes you start to finish has stuff for all firefighters, not just the pregnant ones. It also has the whole educational aspect, all the hazards that you're getting exposed to. It has that awareness level education is the second document down. And then there's the form that you take to your OBGYN. And then there's a, a form of sample form that you could potentially adopt by your department that is less, uh, how do I say this? It's it's less formal than a notification to HR, but it's perhaps because you wanna try fertility treatment and you're requesting a modified duty for a brief amount of time. So it's just kind of an internal in-house form to make some accommodations while you're trying to get pregnant or you're starting an adoption fostering process or trying to conceive. So uh, finally, there's a sample letter from the fire chief that is a great way to start your policy that says, we're so glad you're here. We completely support you having a family and we want to do absolutely everything we can to support you and your family during this time. So that's what I mean by toolkit and it's all, it's all on the Beltang guild.org website. And what's really amazing is Brittany, Dr. Hollerbach and her team were able to secure a $1 million FEMA grant that is all about creating an educational platform for firefighter reproductive health as well as some toolkits that can be sent out to fire departments. One, uh, we're looking at a couple different options when a firefighter announces that they're pregnant if a firefighter announces that they're doing fertility treatment, these toolkits will be kind of dual natured in the sense that they will be a care package in a way to just say, we're here for you. We support you. But also, here's all this information in one packet for you. So um, resources. Did you know that the Beltane Guild has grants for fertility treatment Um here's some sample policy language that you may want to consider asking your department to adopt if you don't have it already. Um, so that's, that is what we offer.
1: That, that's, <laughs> And then so, I consult
0: with departments around the country.
1: <laughs> so what you're saying is it's a one-stop shop. Uh, the Belt and Guild has done the legwork, you know, backed by research, backed by data, you know, ready for organizations to implement. Is that right?
0: It's all <laughs> that, here. That's, yes. That's, and, uh, and your de- your department, I happen to know, did update some things in their policy recently, which are fantastic. You have guaranteed modified duty for a pregnant firefighter, which is is amazing, um, among other things. But your department is doing well. But I'd yeah. say that there is room for improvement, and I'm happy yeah. to consult with them.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> the so a, a, question, a question I have is this, is what is the, uh, maybe I'm jumping to conclusions here, but what is the hesitation, if any, for departments to not just say let's take this toolkit and let's more or less start this now let's implement majority or not if not all of this today tomorrow like what is there a hesitation out there that some don't adopt these policies
0: yes and i i cannot tell you for certainty what the hesitation is but i think whatever hesitation there is someone needs to bolster some confidence and take initiative. And I, I would love nothing more than to broadcast all over social media, all over our website, the first department to take this entire gold standard policy in its entirety. Because as I mentioned before, there's nothing in here that's an unreasonable accommodation. In fact, just about every single thing mentioned in the policy is backed by state and federal law. We are simply putting it in words so that our firefighters don't have to go hunting for the information. It should just be available and uh, easy to access. So totally agree. hesitation wise, again, maybe just unfamiliarity with the topic. Um, I know HR has concerns about creating accommodations for firefighters that doesn't reflect the rest of uh, a city if it's a city entity. But you know, no other job in the, in the city is like a firefighter. So I don't know why there's really all that much of a holdup. And the great yeah. thing about the laws that are being written as they are, they're pretty vague in, in a way that allows flexibility, right? It's not thou shall do X, Y, Z. It's have a conversation, find an accommodation that works for you and your department. But bottom line, again, a sorry, small tangent, but if you don't, Put these things down in writing. That creates a lot of stress on someone who's trying to start a family because they just don't know what that's going to look like from a career standpoint. Yeah. Do do we have guaranteed modified duty or do we not? You know, most language, most apartments currently says, you know, we will offer you modified duty if it's available, just like any other injury illness. Well, this is not like any other injury or illness. I'm not injured. I'm not ill. I'm pregnant. And if you don't provide that guaranteed modified duty, like your awesome department does, well, then you're suddenly putting a pregnant firefighter in the position of, okay, well, I can either continue shift work, or if that modified duty is not provided, I guess I'll have to take leave. And I'm going to start burning through my sick vacation and holiday time and FMLA and in Washington state, the paid family medical leave to the point where postpartum, you may not have enough time to actually recover from childbirth and bond with your child. And suddenly you're being forced back to work before you're ready, which is going to make you prone to injury and prone to emotional mental issues because you're, it takes a long time to heal. And even as it stands, we just don't really have enough time to, to fully repair without, and not to mention how awful is it to come back to shift work yeah. And have burned through all your leaves. So when you or your baby get sick, you have no time off.
1: Yeah. I, I did. So. absolutely. Everything you said is, it, it, it's I, like uh, a punishment
0: for being pregnant, which yeah. I, I don't mean to make it sound it so harsh, but it, it's it, just it, really awful when you're, I mean, yeah. imagine if you get sick or you get bed rest, right? Like you're just already at a disadvantage and it's yeah. already such a beautiful, but can be stressful time in your life.
1: All right, let's go here. Uh, What about the guys, the males?
0: What do we got got for the guys? What do we got for the guys? There,
1: bam, you said that way better than I did.
2: What happens to sperm when it gets hot? Right, so there's so many things. Like like you mentioned, a lot of the kind of risk factors that we talked about for for women, so um, loud noises, extreme heat environments, extreme stress, the loud noises, those also – impact the male reproductive system. And so, um, for example, like even disrupted sleep, there is a study that uh, did two groups control and like the experimental group. And so they reduced men to less than five hours of sleep a night for one week, just one week, and five hours of sleep a night. How many of us are getting on, on average five hours of sleep a uh-huh. night, right? Uh-huh. So, okay, but just five hours of sleep a night, and it dramatically decreased their uh the health of their sperm. So, in fact, it aged their sperm by like 15 to 20 years. So, oh my let's gosh. say I mean, they walk five-year-old male, they, uh, right? Then all of a sudden, white. you have the sperm of like a 45 year old, like, and you're like, uh, what does that mean? Well, it can decrease the motility, the volume of mm-hmm. the sperm, and and That then in turn can impact your ability to get pregnant or to conceive. And so there was a a Danish study and they found that compared to civil workers, so just folks that worked like a desk job for the government and compared to police officers, firefighters had like a 46 to 53 percent increased risk of infertility. That's male factor infertility due to the occupation of firefighting. So we're wow. starting, the research base is starting to look at males as well. Um, we just did a study in conjunction with NIOSH and looked at, um, there's a big database. And so they categorize folks by occupation. So they looked at males in the occupation of firefighting. And males who were firefighters were more likely to have offspring who had um, some some defects and birth defects. So a lot of oral and cleft lip and cleft palate, some limb defects and atrial septal defects. So heart, heart defects. And that was um, from, from the children of firefighters who were, uh, of males who were firefighters. So there's definitely the research that backs it up that um, fire exposure and a lot of these different risk factors that we talked about can impact um, sperm parameters and um, different reproductive health.
1: Well, and you're uh, talking about five hours of sleep. I mean, that's let alone the, the, the individuals that work 48s and 72s with one right. hour of sleep. And that's, you know, ongoing. So I can only imagine, you know, the implications or, you know, at that point. So I guess the question from that point is, we, we talked about, you know, pregnant female firefighters, when they should come off the line. And if they have, you know, a, a policy in place to allow them guaranteed duty or modified duty or, uh, but what about for the males? Like, so if let's just yes. say for a male that was trying to get pregnant, you know, to start a family, should they come off shift? So how does that dynamic work in your guys' research and experience?
0: So the policy is is written for all in, all firefighters and is it specifically covers if you are trying to conceive or you're going undergoing fertility treatment. First, we make sure to let people know and educate people that infertility is considered a disability under the Americans with Disability Act. Um, And if it does not cause an undue hardship for the department, modified duty may be requested while trying to conceive. So basically what we try to do is guide firefighters to realize that if they're struggling to get pregnant, maybe they should request modified duty so that they can start getting regular sleep reduce their exposures, reduce their heat, their noise, and all the things that Dr. Hallerbach just mentioned. So the the policy is very much written for everyone. Of course, there are things that are specific to pregnancy, but that is that is how we tackle that. Uh, we definitely want everyone to feel supported. And otherwise, you know, one thought I've had recently as a paramedic, I'm usually in charge of rehab on a fire scene. And I think I would like to start being a little bit more thoughtful and proactive about making sure that people are cooling down, taking off or opening up their gear. It's middle winter, so it's not as I think needed at the moment, but also giving them wipes to wipe down their face and neck and really just doing as much as we can proactively on the fire scene to assist with this as well.
1: So as far as for a male that was seeking or undergoing infertility treatment, what is the timeframe in which treatment becomes effective? Uh, Or even more broadly, uh, how long does it take to start seeing improvements in male reproductive health? Meaning if a male were trying to have kids, for example, and they wanted to eliminate some of these modifiable risk factors that we were talking about earlier, that we know put a stress on the reproductive system, for example, you know, sleep patterns, the physical stresses, the mental stresses, et cetera, et cetera. What is the, we'll say the minimum timeframe that one would expect to start, seeing an improvement in their reproductive health, you know, at least temporarily. Is this something that we're talking about, you know, you could take a few vacation shifts and an improvement would be more immediate in, you know, in the days or weeks or even a month? Or are we talking about this is something where it takes several months where one would want to or need to seek modified duty um, or maybe a temporary day shift assignment or something along those lines. Does that make sense?
2: I mean, I think that that can be a hard question to answer because I think everybody is so different, right? And so, it like the cause for one's infertility or may not be the same for the yeah. cause of someone else's infertility. So, while uh, sleep, for example, can impact your levels of fertility. And if you had a couple really good weeks of sleep, that might bring the sperm counts right back up to normal. But that's not to say that sleep solely was the cause of person X's infertility. It could be um, a number of years of chemical exposure. It could be, you know, genetics. Like there's so many different things. So I think the short answer to the question is. To be proactive and to talk with your doctor. So if you and your partner are having trouble conceiving, I think it's important for both parties to go and get a full reproductive health workup and share, you know, I think share the resources from the Beltane Guild site or from the Science Alliance, take that to your doctor. Those are designed to be like printed out or you can take it on your phone and say, hey, like, here's some of the things that are involved in my job of firefighting, because I think sometimes the, the physician isn't necessarily aware of all the things that we do or all the things that we're exposed to. So I think it's really important to have that individualistic conversation with your doctor, get all the things checked out, because what works for one person may not work for someone else.
1: Absolutely. No, and that thank you for that. And that you just touched on my second question is bringing information to your doctor. We talk about this as, when we talk about uh mental health, because we've had mental health professionals, clinical psychologists come on the show. Culturally competent doctors uh, is obviously important, right? Going to your doctor that knows nothing about a firefighter, that never has uh, had a patient is, I'm not going to say not competent, I'm just going to say he's going to be less educated, right? And so can you talk very briefly on the importance of having a culturally competent doctor, but if they don't necessarily have one, making sure that us as firefighters come in with that information. So we present them with exactly who we are.
2: Absolutely. I think Maya at the outset had mentioned um, our good friend, Commissioner Melissa Lawler, and how she is a very competent, um, not only fire commissioner, but also a certified nurse midwife. And I think it is so important that you work with a culturally competent healthcare provider. So you mentioned they're not always available somebody that has a background in occupational medicine as well as um perhaps ob gyn and pregnancy knowledge so with that being said you go on the belting guild go on the science alliance and print out these different infographics and so what we've done is kind of amalgamate a lot of the research in bullet points and so we talk through here's some of the risks of the job of being a firefighter and that way Um, it just is like a step-by-step to help you talk through it with your professional because honestly, we'll forget like Maya and I could sit down and have a conversation and then forget, oh my gosh. And then there's noise and then there's heat and then there's thermal stress and there's physical stress. And so it's, it's easy to forget the different aspects of your job. So it's helpful to just have kind of a streamlined piece of paper to take with you and just say, Hey, like, here's some talking points. If you don't know about the job of a firefighter, these are some of the things that I do. And what do we have concerns about and kind of talk through Okay. Um, yeah. So it's just like a helpful talking point.
1: Awesome. So if you were talking to a newer firefighter in the fire service, it could be a recruit, probationary firefighter, an apprentice. What's something that they could do right now to kind of be an advocate for their own reproductive health or anything that we talked about today?
0: I would say not necessary to go out and get that reproductive health scan, but it's definitely an option. Something to keep in mind, what I would really do is take to heart all the safety measures your department has put in place for you. Deconning immediately on scene at a structure fire, taking a shower immediately following, use the wipes if your department carries them on your rig as you're getting back in the rig to go back to the station, Um, trying to get as much sleep as you can on your days off if you were sleep deprived on shift. When you're in rehab on a scene, opening up your gear, making sure that you're cooling down. That is going to be huge for for your body and for your health. So, I think those are the steps that you could take right now. And then, as a as you know, for new members and for any firefighter, take a look at your department's policy and be an advocate. Even if you already have kids, even if you don't plan to have kids, be an advocate to get that policy updated because it has really been a battle at just about every department I have spoken with and. Ch- changes happening very, very slow. And meanwhile, people are going through issues with fertility and pregnancy with very little support and very little understanding of what their rights and the laws actually are. So be an advocate and help make a positive change uh, for the safety and well-being of your fellow firefighters.
1: With that being said, I'll just jump right to, because I think that's the same for even a seasoned firefighter, a company officers. they should be those same advocates. So let's jump right to Chief officers, senior members of organizations. I think we talked about it a little bit, but let's uh, let's hit it home a little further. So you're talking to chief officers, fire chief themselves. What's something those groups of individuals could do to be further advocates, stronger leaders around the topic we talked about today?
0: The first thing that comes to mind just from my personal experience of going through pregnancy twice is be sensitive to the fact that your firefighter, any firefighter, not just the pregnant ones, uh, anything having to do with reproductive health is incredibly sensitive and incredibly can be incredibly stressful and emotional and do everything you can to be supportive of them. in that time, do your best to understand what their laws, what the laws are and what their rights are because you run a very high risk of putting your foot in your mouth. I had someone, uh, when I was requesting to do a specific water rescue training, I had someone ask me if I was planning to get pregnant again and, um, And that person, I don't think meant it intentionally or meant harm, but it's, it is just a little sting and it's one little sting after the next that really start to add up and start to make a member of the fire service feel non-supported during this time. And especially when DEI is such a huge uh, initiative for most, if not all departments across the country, this is such an incredible way that you can really put your money where your mouth is. Or your policy where your mouth is.
1: There you go. Yeah.
0: And 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 show your commitment to DEI by having this policy so that people can understand what that what having a family is gonna look like as they continue their career as a firefighter.
1: Okay. So the leadership challenge, Maya, this is where we ask our guest to help us further the conversation around leadership. Is there someone out there that you would like to publicly challenge to help spread this leadership conversation on the kitchen table?
0: I would recommend Kimberly Cox, the executive director of Women in Fire. She is doing so much to bring attention to the needs of our female firefighters and also just support training, education, awareness uh, for all things that pertain to us in the fire service. So I recommend her next.
1: Awesome. Thank you. So how do we find the Beltane Guild? You've got the website. It's BeltaneGuild.org. Where is your team going? Are you, do you guys obviously do speaking events, raise awareness? How can we, how else can we find you?
0: Yes. So we do have uh, Facebook and Instagram. I'd say we're most present on Instagram because it's the quickest way for me to disseminate information. Um, So that's at the underscore Beltane underscore Guild. And we will be present at a couple of conferences this year. We'll be at the International Association of Firefighters annual convention in Boston. In fact, the Beltane Guild is partnering with Progeny Fertility Benefits to do a uh, some kind of happy hour social with a little bit of education, awareness, and some giveaways uh, for reproductive health. And then at Women in Fire, at their international conference in San Diego in September, I'll be there with Dr. Hollerbach presenting much of the content that you learned here today. But I'd also like to keep in mind, I believe my email, my phone number, there's a submission form on the website. I am available to consult with any department, any member that has questions. It's been a true pleasure of mine to help firefighters and departments across the country and even Canada with building up their policies and supporting them with issues having to do with reproductive health.
1: How about this Brittany and Maya lasting leadership thoughts that you would like to leave our listeners with today before we close on the kitchen table.
2: Thank you for having us on. Um, my in closing thoughts, I want to thank you again for having us on. We talked throughout the podcast today about education and how to change things. And I think this is one of the ways that you change things is by having this conversation, um, it's having the education, it's getting the education out, not only to firefighters, but also to healthcare providers. Um, it's going on podcasts like this. It's doing presentations at the fire service conferences. Um, we just got back from the FDSOA, the fire department officers, fire fire department, safety officers. Association Um, but it's, it's so important, right. That we're getting this education out in every little corner, every little conference, every big conference, um, And just like opening up and having that conversation. And I think you see that with different things in the fire service, you're starting to see that with mental and behavioral health, that it's more of a discussion and less of a stigma. You're seeing that cancer is more of the discussion than it ever has been before. Um, And so I think just keeping it at the forefront of everyone's mind, being open to talk about these things. Sometimes it can be incredibly awkward. Maya mentioned that when she was first struggling with infertility, it's just awkward to talk about. So I think just keep having these conversations and thank you so much for having us because that, that really is what pushes the envelope.
1: Thank you so much for that, Brittany. Maya.
2: Just two more
0: things. One, yes. keep in mind that Beltane Guild does have grants for $500 a piece for any firefighter needing fertility treatment, them or their spouse. It's a very simple process. We just ask for proof of your employment and of your fertility treatment, and we cut you a check. So wow. keep us in mind if you need some help. I'm sorry, it's not a larger amount, but, uh, the it's, fundraising <laughs> is a challenge, but no, this is awesome. Also, it, and if your local is willing to consider a donation to the Beltane Guild, we are always accepting those. And 100% of the donation goes to firefighters in need, and that can be done through check or PayPal uh, or directly through the website. And then the final thing I want to say is yes, for any department that wants to step up and just say, you know what, we're going to adopt all of this 100%. I would love to promote that department as much as I can on our social media, on our website. I will, I will shout it to the world. So, um, you know, even at these upcoming conferences, I know, I know uh, fame isn't really a huge draw for firefighters typically, but um, I know everyone's claiming to have DEI as a big initiative. I'd love to, support that and support these departments and gain these policies up and running. Let's, let's see who can do it first.
1: Oh, I love that challenge. Sounds like a challenge to all listeners and all department representatives who are listening in today. Uh, thank you so much, Maya and Brittany. And uh, thank you the Beltane Guild for everything that you do. Uh, let's all continue to raise awareness, you know, have the conversation and step up to make changes. Thank you everybody for tuning in today to the kitchen table. We truly hope that you found this time valuable. We hope that we've inspired you to take action, to lead, and to help spread the leadership conversation. Until next time, be safe, be intentional, and stay curious.